Welcome to our podcast from Lifehouse Church in Chesterfield. We are so glad that you've found us and we hope that this message inspires you, encourages you and gives you hope for the future. If you want any more details about Lifehouse Church, please visit www.lifehousechurch.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Good, what an honour to be here tonight in Chesterfield. Thanks, man. Can we give the band a huge round of applause for doing such a brilliant job tonight? Amazing, amazing, amazing. And uh, it's genuinely one of the greatest honours of our lives to do church with our friends. And how many of you know that church, church is family and church is about friendship? And uh, so to be here with Paul and Sarah at your conference, how many years have you been running this conference now? One. This is your first ever conference. Wow, look at this. Amazing, isn't it? And uh, we're praying for every chair upstairs to be filled next year in Jesus' name. And uh, that's going to be good. But uh, great to see what's going. Uh, Paul and Sarah are really, really great pastors. You know, Sophie and I uh, want to really commend them to you. We think they're absolutely outstanding people. Great pastors and outstanding people. Because sometimes you can find people who are great pastors, but maybe not very nice people. Or you can meet people who are nice people, but not very good pastors. But the fact that they're a combination of both is absolutely brilliant. Uh, a few years ago, I was going through a really, really bad, a really bad season in my life about two years ago. And I, I just rang Paul up. I said, Paul, I'm, I'm going to speak at a particular event. I just need a buddy to sit in the car with me. And uh, so I don't know what he had planned for that night, but he cancelled all his plans just to come in the car, just so uh, to distract me, my thinking as much as anything else. And, uh, and we're so proud of you guys about what, what, what's happening here in Lifehouse. We think it's absolutely remarkable. Uh, I'm loving the layout of this. It's so good. Look at this. You've got TVs up there. Why are the TVs up there? I don't know why there's TVs up there. I guess it's a, it's a prophetic thing for what's going to happen in the next season for people to be able to sit over there and read the screens up there. But, um, you know, I have DJ and Karen here as well. We love DJ and Karen. Their church in South Africa, in Johannesburg. They're actually in four countries of the world. Five countries. Four countries. Five, just five countries. So South Africa, um, Tanzania, uh, Kenya, England, and the United Kingdom. No, England is the United Kingdom. And uh, America as well. And uh, really, really amazing, amazing. Uh, actually, Pastor DJ is on the board of Audacious Church. And so I'm going to behave tonight. I'm actually going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and not some made-up version of it. And uh, that's really good. And, uh, and also, you know, uh, Ben over here leading Brilliant Church up in Richmond, North Yorkshire. Four campuses, four campuses. Because why only have one when you can have four, hey? And uh, so in Richmond, in Penrith, in Bishop Auckland, and in um, Barna Castle, Barna Castle. And I had the privilege of speaking at all the opening services, apart from the last one. He just thought he didn't want me for the last one. So uh, we're praying that the first three go really well. I'm not really bothered about the last one. And uh, there we go. These guys over here leading an amazing church in Clay Cross as well. Good on you guys. Two years into the journey. Two years into the journey and, uh, you know, watch this space. I'm excited to hear about everything that's going to happen in Clay Cross and, and that beautiful part of the world. I know Pastor Jim is here as well, who led this church for, for many years as well. Jim, we want to honor you. Thank you so much. It's uh, your faithfulness. Your faithfulness made this possible. So we want to thank you. We, uh, we want to thank, thank you for believing in Paul and Sarah. When nobody else would believe in Paul, you believed in Paul. And uh, that in and of, itself, uh, in and of itself is worth a gold medal in heaven for sure. But um, you've made this possible. And one of the things that I really love is watching my children, my son and daughter, do well in life. And, and I'm sure that, that you would join me in, in, in giving praise and appreciation to Paul and Sarah for what they're doing here. But, you know, the real heroes of this church are those of you who are volunteers, those of you who are serving on teams, kids, car park, hospitality, definitely hospitality. Uh, those who make coffee, may God bless you in Jesus' name. Because, uh, I mean, if you know, church is built on good coffee. There's a book in the Bible, it's called Hebrews, and Hebrews, good coffee. That's Pastor DJ's joke. It's the only joke he's got. I've stolen it, so he can't use it tomorrow now. 
Uh, but we were, good on you guys for, for being a part of building the house of God. And something the Bible says, blessed is a man and woman planted in the house of God, Psalm 92. And something happens as you begin to build the house of God, God in turn builds your house. And, uh, you know, so stay connected, stay committed, and uh, let's believe God for this future season of this outstanding church. This week I've had an amazing week. I've been in Seattle. I just literally flew out on Monday and uh, landed Monday night, Tuesday morning, got a tour of uh, one of the Amazon innovation centers in downtown Seattle. It's called Spheres. And it is a glass building on about four levels. And the owner of, of uh, Amazon just thought one day, let's build a glass house in the center of Seattle where people can come drink coffee and do blue sky thinking because there's no roof. It's a glass ceiling. Cost them $4 billion to build. You've got to be a staff member to get in there. And so one of the, one of the executive, uh, world executives of Amazon took us in and, and gave three of us a tour around the place. And it was amazing to see, I thought to myself, it's amazing what you can do with a little bit of money. Four billion US dollars. The next day uh, I was in, uh, in the first ever uh, Pike Place where Starbucks was created and walked into Starbucks and it was pretty outstanding to be in the first ever Starbucks to watch all, all, the, all the coffee beans being roasted and the, and the different um, uh, uh, flavors and stuff. Do you know they have a whiskey flavored coffee in Seattle now? It's like heaven on earth, baby. And, uh, and what was really amazing is, is being in that first Starbucks, not only was, was I there with a, with a group of friends who were pastors, but the owner of Starbucks globally, Howard Schultz, walked in and he's walking around Starbucks like the pastor, shaking people by the hand, connecting with people. You know, I'm like, hey, Howard, how you doing? I thought maybe by the end of our conversation, I could call him Howie. We just connected so well. But you know, and then yesterday I spent the morning with one of the uh, global directors of Facebook. She, her job is, uh, she is in charge of all faith partnerships with Facebook. And just to be in that world for the last three days and, and the odd church service in between and to hear what people are thinking with blue sky thinking, it's amazing when you realize that actually uh, when we get our brains together and when we come together in agreement, anything can happen. And what needs to happen in Lifehouse Church is this, just, just a spirit of agreement. Because if we can just agree on vision... Agree on where God's taken. And we can just, and I know, I know you get this. I know you guys, uh, you, you believe in this. So, so I'm wasting my breath, but I'm just kind of supporting what we're doing. If we can just keep agreeing with the vision of the house, you'll be amazed what God can do. The last thing our pastors need is people to be in disagreement and point the finger and be critical and things like that. If people without God in agreement can do great things, then I wonder what can the church do when the church comes together in agreement? The Bible says God loves it when people come together in agreement. Now, tomorrow morning, I'm going to talk about how you can disagree agreeably, okay? Because actually, tomorrow's message in the morning, am I speaking tomorrow? Okay, tomorrow morning, I'm going to talk about just the world that you create. The world that you live in in five years is totally up to you. What your marriage, your business, your life looks like, it's entirely down to you. It's your responsibility. So that's going to be tomorrow. But tonight I want to spend a few moments looking at the concept of faith. Recently I was in Norway, and in Norway uh, I went to a counter late night. To I, I just arrived in the country, and I went to pay with the currency of Norway. The currency is krona. So I went to the counter, I ordered an Americano, the lady gave me the Americano, I put the Krona on the counter, I went to take the coffee to pull it towards me, she pulled it back to her, I pulled it to me, she pulled it to her. I looked at the Krona, she looked at the Krona, she looked at me, I looked at her, I pulled the coffee to me and she pulled it back and we had this awkward dance that went for 20 seconds but felt like it was going for a whole month and then she said this to me, she said, sir, I am really sorry, you need to understand that the national currency of Norway is krona. But Denmark also has a currency called krona. And what you've done is you've tried to pay for a coffee in Norway with Danish currency. She said this, if you fix the currency, then we can make a deal. I thought to myself two things. Number one, fire the PA when I get home who took the krona out for me in the first place. And secondly, now I've got to find my credit card to buy the coffee. But the key was this, finding the right currency. Now, one of the things I think is really important for us to know in, in the church is this, is that the Bible teaches us that the currency of heaven is one thing. The currency of heaven is faith. We only transact 
with heaven, with God, through a currency called faith. And I think sometimes the reason we don't see a breakthrough in our church, in our ministry, in our family, in our financial investments, in our business, is because we don't see heaven come to earth because we're not trading in a currency called faith. And I really felt challenged of God to really prepare this message. I prepared this message last week. I preached it in our church last Sunday morning as a guinea pig ready for you, okay, for tonight. Because I want you to understand that faith, being the currency of heaven, God requires this house to have faith. We don't worship out of sightseeing. We worship out of faith. We don't pray just with our current reality. We worship with faith. What we need to have is faith. Now, I live in a certain part of Manchester, and a whole heap of our pastoral team live around me. One of the pastors on our staff is called Pastor Mark Foster. Mark leads our Chester campus of our church. And when we are driving at times to our Sunday services, and there are times when, you know, in my house on a Sunday as the pastor, my house is so, so perfect and quiet. You know, we never sleep in. We never have arguments on a Sunday morning, ever. You know, we wake up, I, I speak to Alexa, I say, hey, Alexa, play Beethoven. And Beethoven pipes through the house. And it's beautiful and it's calm. And of course, you believe that. And my wife is never, never tense with me. And my son and my daughter are always getting ready on time, of course. And we drive to church with Beethoven still playing in the car, Brach and Brahms and all those sorts of things. Uh, my favorite classical composer is Boccherini. I, I love it and, and listen to it. And on the way to church, it's so beautiful and peaceful. But there are inevitably moments where when I'm driving to church on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night, that I arrive at, at a set of traffic lights in town where when I look to the car next to me, if Pastor Mark from our staff or one of our other staff members is in the car next to me, as soon as I see them, the atmosphere in the car changes, the atmosphere within my spirit changes, and now it is on like Donkey Kong. As I turn off the classical music, I put on ACDC, I put the car in sport mode, and now it is a race to the church building. Of course, we abide by the rules and we never speed whatsoever. And the first person to the church is the winner. It's a competition. Let me ask this question. When did competition first start? I mean, I remember being a child around the breakfast table. I have an older sister who's six years older. Her name is Sean. And when my mum would pour the cereal in the morning, it would always, the conversation was always this. She's got more than me. Mum would say, no, she hasn't. You got exactly the same. No, she hasn't. We would argue about everything. When it was a cold winter's night in Australia, I'd say, Mum, my sister's got more marshmallows in my hot chocolate than what I've got. And Mum would say, no, she hasn't. Competition. There's almost that sense where society thrives on a, a sense of, of competition. And there is a good form of competition and an unhealthy form of competition. One of the problems we have with social media, Gen Z generation coming through, is that, is that, is that social media is driving this generation in, um, um, uh, insane. Because what we do is we see perfect images on a phone of somebody else's life. We see an Instagram shot or a Facebook shot of their life, and we look at their perfect life and compare our reality with an image on social media, and then we begin to complain. We only complain because we compare. If we never complained, complained, we'd never compare. If we never compared, we'd never complain. Last month I was in South Africa and my wife and I were on safari with the children and my son was sitting next to me and the thing that probably we enjoyed the most on this particular day of safari was not the animals. We saw all the big five, the, uh, the, um, the leopard and the lion and the rhino and the <laughs> buffalo and the hippo. What's the other one? Whatever the other one is. We saw them. And that was brilliant. But the thing that my son and I loved the most were, were the two young girls sitting in front of my wife and my daughter. 
Because what was taking place was this, is as we pulled up next to a huge elephant, instead of the girls taking the picture of the elephant, they were taking pictures of themselves, of themselves like this, and getting the perfect shot with the elephant behind them. But then it went ridiculous, actually. Uh, they, were, they were taking turns, taking shots of each other in front of the elephants, taking the absolute perfect pose. And because my wife, my son and I were so intrigued by this and we were enjoyed it so much that we spent all that time looking over their shoulders to look at their filters and everything they were applying. And seriously, at the end, we ended up having a, a, a breakfast at a particular lodge. While we were having breakfast, they were sitting on the table next to us. And while we were enjoying the monkeys in the trees and everything else that was going on around us, these girls were on their social media feeds applying the perfect filtering, the perfect coloring. In fact, the whole, the whole experience in some senses was missed by these young girls because they were spending hours creating the perfect image for someone somewhere else in the world to look at, to compare to their complaint based on these images that were actually not true. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. The Bible says that God has allotted to each of us a measure of faith. And if it is true that faith is the currency of heaven, if it is true that the only way we see heaven come to earth is through faith, if the only way for you to see heaven in your family is through faith, and in your business and ministry is through faith, the Bible says God has allotted to you a measure of faith. So he has allotted to me a measure of faith and to Paul a measure of faith and to DJ and to Karen and to Sarah different measures of faith. So here's my question for you tonight. What is your measure of faith? What is your measure of faith? Because here's an absolute reality for each and every one of you tonight. It is possible for you to have a measure of faith in one area and a larger measure of faith in another area. Let me illustrate it this way. In the Bible, the Bible says this, that in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 40, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. They're in a boat in a storm, and he says this to them. He talks to them and says, why are you so afraid, those of you, do you still have no faith? I want you to look at this glass now. This glass represents your life. You are this receptacle. You are this vessel. And Jesus here is shocked because some of his followers, can I put it in 2019 language, some of his Christian followers, some of his churchgoers, some of those who'd seen the miracles of God, of Jesus Christ, he looked at them and they still had no faith. Wouldn't it be a shame that if God actually addressed certain areas of our life and said, Glenn, you got no faith. Paul, you got no faith. Aaron, you got no faith. I was recently woken up early morning in our house because our boiler came on to heat the water. And of course, this is the time of year when usually husbands and wives start to argue. And as pastors, the counseling lines fill up because the girls want the heating to come on and the guys, we're waiting a little bit longer because we, we, don't, we, we, we want to delay to put the heating on and so the arguments ensue. I come home from uh, work these days and the house is like a sauna. I'm like, honey, we, we don't need the heating on yet. She said, I'm freezing. I'm like, you're in your bikinis. Put some decent clothes on, woman. Uh, and this debate happens. But what happened early morning is this. It's about, I don't know, 4.30, maybe 5 o'clock, whatever it is. I tend to get up pretty early. And at about 5 o'clock, the, 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 the system came on to heat the water for the showers. And this screeching sound happened at about 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. It was like a banshee squealing. And when you're in a deep sleep, any noise is a nightmare. I sat up in bed. At first, I thought someone is attacking someone in my family. The more I listened, the more I realized this is not a human scream. This is something else. And I ran around the house looking for the problem, looking for the issue, looking for the situation, and discovered that what had happened is this, is that the heating system clicked on to heat the water, but the mechanism was making a horrible sound. Keith, our kid's pastor who's here tomorrow, Keith is also a plumber. I call Keith. Keith comes to my house. He looks at the whole system. We have like a boiler downstairs and some sort of thing upstairs. I don't even know what they are. 
And when he did his investigation, he said this. He said, Glenn, what's taking place is this. In your boiler downstairs, you've had a slow leak over the last six months from your system, cistern, and the water has emptied itself. He said this morning, when everything turned on and the motor was meant to draw the heat and, and heat the water, he said, instead of the water coming through it and being heated, now there's no water in the system, in the system. And so what's happening is the cogs and everything is turning and it's dry and it's squealing. And when he said that, I began to think about faith. The reality is this, is you can be a follower of Jesus Christ, you can go to church every weekend, you can even be a pastor of a church, but it is amazing how there are certain, uh, uh, let me say, emissaries of the devil that are sent to drain you of faith. Now, I don't know it doesn't happen in this church because you guys are perfect, but you need to come to Audacious Church sometime. There are people who, when they start walking towards me this way, I start running this way and pray that Aaron intercepts them because who's going to argue with Aaron, am I right? You know, because some people are, are, are just saying that they're just, they're just like a drain on your energy. You meet them, you talk to them, you walk away and you want to die because they're just like sucking the marrow out of you, sucking the faith out of you. And, and at one minute you're feeling great and then you just looked and saw their face and you felt depressed. And it's amazing how the more that happens, what tends to happen is this, is we start to leak faith. We leak faith. We once had faith for our marriage and our children, but we leaked faith. We once had faith for our business, but we leaked faith. And we once had, had faith for our small group and our church and that our mental ill health would become health, but slowly the circumstances increase and we leak faith and now we're just making a squealing sound. And we come to church and the preacher's preaching is like a squealing banshee. And we come to worship and the worship, instead of enjoying the moment, it's like a squealing sound. And before long, our Christian life is just this horrible, horrible screeching sound. You know, the Bible talks about the anointing, the presence of God, as like oil. And something happens when you begin to remember and you begin to apply faith to circumstances of your life. The oil of heaven begins to flow through your situations and things start to feel and begin to be different. Because in the next part of the scripture, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this. He said, will not the Lord clothe you, you of little faith? So look at this. Here we have no faith. But here now, if you can see this up on stage, we have what the Bible says, little faith. Little faith. And I love this. Because there's some senses where it really doesn't matter how much faith you have. Only if you've got just a little bit of faith, then the Bible says this. If you've got faith just the size of a mustard seed, then you can say to that mountain, be removed and go into the sea. You can say to that sickness, be healed. You can say to that mental ill health, God, I believe that you're going to heal me. You can speak to that situation. You can call your husband or your wife back into a relationship with God. You can call your children home because something happens with people who have little faith. The Bible goes on, not only do we read about no faith and, and a little bit of faith, but there's a passage in Matthew chapter 8 where it says, Jesus was amazed because he found people who have great faith. Great faith. I reckon that's probably what great faith looks like. Great faith. Great faith. I want you to notice here that Jesus is saying that faith is a measurable thing. He's talking about people who have no faith, little faith, and now he's loving it because he's found someone who has great faith. Amazingly, this person with great faith was not one of his followers. It wasn't a religious man. Great faith. You ever seen somebody who's got great faith? Usually on social media. You look and go, oh man, it's all right. It's all right for them. It's all right because they got great faith. One of my heroes of the church is a man called George Mueller. George Mueller lived, lived a few hundred years ago or so, whatever it is, and he ran an orphanage in Bristol, a children's home. He was a man of great faith. When you read his memoirs and you read about the children's home, there would be numerous times when the children would wake up to break their fast, 
to have breakfast, he would set the table, the children would come to the table, they would all sit down, and he knew there was no food and drink in the cupboards for the children to eat. And yet he would pray a prayer. He would say, Grace, Lord, I thank you for your provision for our food for this day. He would say, Grace, you know how many times in his stories, in the memoirs, in the, in the books about his life, that the, the baker's cart lost its wheel outside the children's home, and so bread was brought in. The milk lost its axle. The axle snapped. The milk was brought in, and time and time again, because he was a man of great faith, God provided for him. Let me ask you this question. Are you no faith, little faith, or great faith? George Mueller was sailing to the United States of America. And while I was sailing, on the last day of sailing, a thick fog set in, and, they, and the captain weighed anchor in the ocean. And so George Mueller went up to the, the captain's cabin, and he said this. He said, why have we stopped? I have an appointment tomorrow, and I've never been late for an appointment. Wish churchgoers would listen to that. <laughs> I've never been late to church. I've never been late to an appointment. And the captain said this. The fog is so thick we can't see. We need to wait until the fog lifts. At which point, George Mueller, a man of great faith, what he did is this, is he got on his knees to pray. And as he got on his knees, so did the captain and so did the crew. And George Mueller prayed, Lord, I thank you that you've heard this prayer. I thank you that I will make this appointment tomorrow and that you have caused the fog to evaporate. He said, amen, and when he said, amen, the captain began to pray, and George Mueller said this. He said, sir, you don't need to pray for two reasons. Firstly, you have no faith, and secondly, I believe that God has already answered our prayer, and by the time he stood up and looked out through the window, the fog had lifted. They were able to lift anchor, and he made his appointment for the next day. I wonder, are you a person of great faith? I want you to know that it's possible to be a person of great faith in your finances, but to be a person who has no faith in marriage. You can be a person who has little faith for the things that are happening in the life of the church and have great faith for what's happening in your own world. I know some Christian people who have no faith in finances in the church of God, so don't tithe, but they have some really great holidays with God's money because they have great faith to go to Miorca, but have no faith to invest in something that lasts forever. Not here because you're perfect, but definitely in Richmond. I think what Jesus is saying here is he's helping us to understand that faith is a, is a measurable thing. Uh, there's, another, there's another part here that I really love. I hope you can see this because in Acts chapter 6, the Bible says in Acts chapter 6 that they were looking for someone and they found a man called Stephen in Acts chapter 6 verse 5. And the Bible says about Stephen that he was a man full. Of faith. I really love this journey we're going on here tonight. We've gone from being somebody who has no faith to a little faith to great faith and to being full of faith. But did you know something? You can go the other way as well. Full faith, great faith, little faith, no faith. I pray that the older I get, the greater my faith grows. I, I really do pray. I pray that when my children's children are leading church, that they will see me, an old man, bald-headed, sorry, Paul, bald-headed with a, with a pot belly. I'm praying that they'll see an old man with great faith, full of faith for that generation. It may not look like I thought it would look like. You've got a choice to make, my friend. We've got a guy in our church who's currently on his deathbed. I'm going to go see him on Sunday afternoon. His name's Jack. Jack is 87 years of age. He's a church planter. Last weekend, we celebrated 12 years of our church. He's been in our church 11 years. He's a church planter from back in the day. He's pastored. He's pastored for such a long time. I want you to know something. Even at 87, he's the youngest person in our church. 
Last Sunday, we celebrated our, our 12th birthday. Last Sunday, we celebrated our vision offering. And do you know one of the greatest things that happened on that day was that morning, I got a video sent to me by this 87-year-old man who did a selfie into the camera saying, Pastor Glenn, and you look at him and, 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 and death is approaching and yet he's young and he's vibrant. And he said this, Pastor Glenn, he said, I'm probably not going to see the building being built, the new building. He said, but I want you to know I'm praying for you and I'm championing you on. That's what you call a man who has great faith. Because something happens with faith. It's not just faith for you. It's faith for your children's children. So I want to ask you this question tonight. What measure of faith do you have? Because you only transact with heaven through a currency called faith. It doesn't happen through skill set. It doesn't happen through academia, thank God, Paul, with his master's that we're doing. Why did we start this master's course, Aaron? It's the most ridiculous thing you ever have talked me into in my life. And I'm so thankful that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. Uh, I'm so glad. The Bible doesn't say we, we, we achieve it through wearing trendy jeans. We don't achieve it by having a contemporary-looking church. It's irrelevant. There's an irrelevance to this relevance. This is not the key. The key is the faith that has been applied in 2019 to say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to change the color of the walls. We're going to get an LED wall up there, up there. And, 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 and the, the faith that it takes to do those things, that's what God loves. So let me ask you this. What's your measure of faith for your family? There or here? If you're a single person, What's your measure of faith that you're going to find your life partner in this next season? A little bit or a lot? It's really interesting to me because faith, Jesus says, is measurable. He was shocked when he saw no faith, little faith, great faith, and full of faith. And yet the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, that God has allotted to you and I a measure of faith. Hang on a minute. God allotted the measure, and yet he was surprised when he saw our measure. That doesn't make sense. Aaron, I don't know how thirsty you are, but, but uh, you look thirsty, Aaron. Aaron, just stand up for a second for me. Just turn sideways. Have a, have a little bit of drink of Coke for everyone. There you go. Good. Is that good? You like Coke? It's right, isn't it? I know you're a water drinker. You can grab a seat. <laughs> Did you see what just happened? I gave Aaron a measure of Coke. I didn't tell him how much to drink. I didn't tell him how much he could consume. How much he took was entirely up to him. God has given to you a measure of faith. And what happens with this comparison kind of generation that we fall into is what we begin to do is we begin to excuse our lives on the basis of our faith because God didn't give me the same measure of faith as he gave Pastor DJ over there. And so what begins to happen, not with you because you're perfect, but with churches in Manchester is this, is that Christian people begin to excuse their lack, their struggle, their suffering, their difficulty, their pain, their victory narrative gets bigger and bigger because I just don't have the same measure of faith as what you do. That's why my family's a mess. That's why I'm not sleeping. That's why my life group doesn't grow. That's why my church doesn't grow. And before long, we begin to deflect, deflect, deflect. But the Bible says even if you have faith the size of a... Because it's really not to do with how much you have, but what you do with what you have. So here's my question. What's your measure of faith? What's your measure of faith? Not generally speaking, but in the main categories of your life, your family, your health, your finances, your church, pastoring and preaching, what is your measure of faith? Because here's the thing. If faith the size of a mustard seed can speak to a mountain, what can a church that is full 
of faith achieve? Come on, what can a church in Derbyshire that is full of faith achieve? I don't know. I, I want to be someone who has an increasing measure of faith. So let me ask this question. Does anybody want to know how to increase their measure of faith? Five of you. Does anyone want to know how to increase their measure of faith? For me, the best way to understand this is through an analogy of the hot bath. I, I do love having hot baths. Got to be honest, when I got off the plane a moment ago, got to the hotel, wherever we are here, and I stood in the shower for 20 minutes and allowed, but I love having a hot bath. And the problem I have, I make with having a hot bath is this, is that the clue is in the title. It's a hot bath. So usually when I make a hot bath, what I tend to do is this, is I put the plug in, I turn the hot water tap on, and I don't put any cold water in because I want to have a hot bath because I'm a man and I'm simple. Now what I discovered is this, is that men and women have baths in two completely different ways. When a man has a bath, what we tend to do is this, is we put anything in the bath that we think is going to get us clean. Dishwashing liquid, bleach, you know, shampoo, anything to make suds, because the suds, we believe, we men, we believe the suds do all the work. Wives, ladies, let me just say this. If you think your husbands clean themselves when they have a bath, they don't. We just lie there and expect the suds to do all the work. It's true. For girls, however, a hot bath, it's all about the experience. I learned this when I got married. The girls don't want to just have a bath. They want to experience something. And so what the girls tend to do is this, is they, they tend to moderate the temperature between the hot and the cold water. And then they go off and they come back and they bring some scented candles. And they put the scented candles all the way around the bath. And they begin to light the scented candles. And it's, and it's really important. Then they go off and get a Bluetooth speaker and bring it back, not to play music, but to have dolphins crying and whales laughing in the background. That's what they do. And then the girls, the girls have thought about this. Preparation has gone into this. They've gone to a nasty shop at Meadow Hall called Lush. You'll never find a man. You'll never find a man's man going into Lush. I bet you you've never, no, you probably have. I bet you you've never been into Lush. The girls go into Lush and they buy this thing called a bath bomb. For a guy, a bath bomb is not soap. It's something entirely different, but that's a whole other subject. And it reaches the moment, but I, the mistake I make is this, is I always put too much hot water in the bath. And then I have this dance that I do every time it's bath time. Having turned off the hot water, I put my leg over, I put my leg in, out, in, out, I shake it all about. I put my dressing gown on, I go for a walk, I make a cup of tea, I come back a few minutes later, I put my foot in, out, in, out, in, out, shake it all about, until finally, after about 10 minutes, I can stand straddling the side of the bath. This is bright red. The skin is peeling off this part of the body, and the rest of me is freezing. This is the most dangerous part. I've got to get this leg over there. <laughs> Fellas, this is where you don't want to slip. You change your religion at this point. What you do is you, you're in out, you're in out, you shake it all about until finally, another 10 minutes, now you stood. The greatest challenge is now I've got to get this in there. And you go through the same thing. It's in out, in out, shake it all about. Until finally, you're sitting in the hot bath. You don't want to move because if you move, you're going to make a tidal wave and burn your chest. So you're sitting up. It's really uncomfortable. You're thinking, this is nice. And then about 35 minutes later, finally, you get to recline in the bath. And it's usually at that point, Pastor Paul, that you think, I need a wee. <laughs> and then you have a decision to make based on your upbringing. What do you do? And we won't go any further. We won't go any further. But ask Bear Grylls what he thinks. Here's what I think most Christians think. I think most Christians think that God treats us like a hot bath. That when we got saved at church on that Sunday or in that conference or a friend told us about the gospel and something happened on the inside and we received the love of God, I think that what we think is this, is at that moment God says, well, thank you for praying that prayer. You can have my toe. And then the more we go to church, God says, wow, you're serious. You can have my foot. And the longer we're in church, God says, now, are you really serious? You, you can have both my feet. And then we start to tithe. And God says, whew, are you serious? You can have my bottom. <laughs> Until after 20, 30, 40 years of being a follower of Jesus, finally you become holy, like Pastor Karen down here in the front row. And God reclines 
and you have all of God. And now you can do things because you're full of faith. Now, we don't say that, and we don't talk that, we don't preach that, but that's what most people think. It's just not true. The Bible is very clear when you read Galatians and Ephesians that the moment you became a follower of Jesus Christ, you didn't just get a little bit of God. You got all of God. And what tends to happen is this, is that we look at those great preachers or we look at those great men and women of God and say, oh, it's, it's all right for them. If, 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 if I had their life, if I had their measure of faith, they got all of God. I've just got a little bit of God. But what I want you to see here is this, is that there's an entirely new measure of faith that I love to live by. And it's a measure of faith that's not no faith or little faith or great faith or full of faith. There's another measure of faith that I call, I hope you can see this, just enough faith. Just enough faith to get out of bed and get through my day. Just enough faith to love my wife, even though she's Latin American and crazy. <laughs> Just enough faith to stay married for another year. Just enough faith not to kill my son, whom I often call Legion. <laughs> Preachers, just enough faith to preach when that last sermon you preached was terrible. Even the Holy Spirit left the building halfway through. <laughs> Just enough faith to go back to work. Just enough faith to pay your debt off. Just enough faith. You see, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 2, it says the men brought a paralyzed man to Jesus, and when Jesus saw their faith, Notice here, he didn't quantify the faith. He didn't say that they had no faith or little faith or great faith or full of faith or even much faith. It says when he saw their faith, what sort of faith did they have? They had just enough faith that if we can get our friend into that room where Jesus is, then maybe Jesus can heal him with just enough faith. You see, Lifehouse God has only ever looked for people who will have just enough faith. So next year, my wife and I celebrate 25 years of marriage. We celebrate her 50th year on the planet. We celebrate 25 years in ministry. And I'm having a three-month vacation with my wife. Thank you, DJ. Twenty-four years ago, we left Australia, our friends, our family, and we moved to Sheffield. And the first youth event that we had, the first youth event we were going to run, cost us 60 quid. 60 pounds. My annual salary for Sophie and I was 8,000 pounds a year. We would go to Aldi with a calculator because we had about 20 quid a week that we could spend on groceries if we lived on pasta and rice. And we did that for years. In fact, in our 12 years of being on staff, I had more pay cuts than pay rises during that whole time collectively. And when we believe God for 60 quid, I'm here to tell you that when that youth event happened, it was only 60 pounds. I'm here to tell you that week I got on my knees and I prayed and I sought God. I even fasted for 60 quid. Do you know something with just enough faith? 60 quid came in. The trouble is this, faith is measurable. The next event didn't cost 60 quid, it cost 120 quid, and with just enough faith, it came in. The next one was 500 quid, and with just enough faith, that came in. And then I remember when it was 1,200 quid, oh my gosh, when we hired the Castleford Civic Centre to do an East Pennine Regional Youth Alive event and that cost 1,200 quid. You've never seen anyone pray like I prayed. Gosh, came in. There was another event we run, it cost 12,000 pounds and just enough faith is all I needed. 
and then that one cost 100 grand when we hired Sheffield Town Hall and also Portsmouth Civic Centre at the same time, and that, that, cost, that cost about 140,000 that came in. And then Audacious Conference started to cost half a million pounds a year. And the only way we could make it work was that three of us would remortgage our houses to get the money to pay upfront for the conference. And we would pray that the delegates would come and the offerings would come in. And every year, oh God. And yet with just enough faith, it came in. And somewhere in the middle of that, we started church and church for the first year cost us 100 grand and, 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 and our rent for the church building. Remember that old church building was 2,000 pounds a month. 2,000 pounds, I mean, a hot every month. And I would get on my knees and say, oh God, this is only 12 years ago, and yet 2,000 pounds, just, just enough. And then we found a building that cost 3.2 million pounds to buy. And that was a horrible journey. And yet all he needed was just enough faith. And we did it. And now the new building we're going to build, 35 million pounds. All it needs is just enough faith. But, but you know something? Let me tell you something. Does it weigh heavy? It weighs heavy, 35 million. But I remember 24 years ago, 24 years ago, I needed 60 quid. And 24 years later, we need 35 million. But it's the same faith. Just enough faith. And you find that over the process of the years, of the years of you reading the Bible, the years of you praying, the years of you fasting, the years of you coming to church, just applying just enough, just enough, just enough. You see, what happened is this, is that you started over here with no faith, and then you became a person of little faith, and you just began to learn the lesson. You know what, I've just got to apply just enough faith, just enough faith to stay married, just enough faith not to kill a child, just enough faith to pay my bills, just enough faith not to commit suicide. Just enough faith to take the medication because the doctor says I need it. Just enough faith to keep coming back to church. And you find that what begins to happen over the years is this, is you end up growing old and gray and your life and Lifehouse Church becomes this, just enough faith. Ready? All of a sudden, Chesterfield has changed and Derbyshire is impacted in your family and your friends and your community because all, all God ever wanted was just enough faith. Friend, that's all your pastors are trying to tease out of you. I'm not trying to be like a church in Chicago or a church over there in London or anything like that just enough faith and with just enough faith the Bible says with man this is impossible but with God all things are possible and what God does is this He invites you into the world of the impossible where what we do is we look from where we are and say we will never achieve that and God says hey guys just enough faith for another day, for another season, for another year, for another prayer, for another fast, for another preach, for another song. And before long, you end up stopping and going, where did all this blessing come from? I'll tell you where it came from. You read the Bible. Given, it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running all over. Listen. This is what Derbyshire needs in 2019. We've had enough of this sort of Christian living. You ever met Christians like that? Negative, complaining, don't like the color, don't like the sound, don't like anything, don't like Jesus, don't like it. But this is where we're going as a church. I say we because I'm invested. We're going here. 
in Jesus' name. So come on, if you're not standing, I want you to stand your feet across this place. I want to pray for you just where you are. Good luck shifting that, boys. Good luck shifting that. Come on, stand your feet. I want you to close your eyes across this place. I want to ask you a series of questions which I'm going to pray into. What is your measure of faith? Because the Bible says that God has allotted to each of us a measure of faith. But whether or not you use the measure He's given you is entirely up to you. He won't make you do it. He's given you a measure. And the reality is this, is that for each and every one of us, that measure is beyond compare. He's given you everything you need to be all you need. And here's the horrible thing I learn about faith. Faith is revealed when you have a problem. And usually we pray, God, get me out of this problem. It's the wrong prayer. Tonight when I have a cup of tea, I'm gonna get my tea bag and put it into some boiling water. The longer the tea bag is in the boiling water, the stronger it gets. Our prayer shouldn't be, God, get me out of this problem, but our prayer should be, God, strengthen my faith in this problem. Theodore Rubin said this, having problems is not a problem. The only problems is thinking that having problems is a problem. He then wisely says, a problem is merely an environment where the impossible is done. So what is your measure of faith? Family, faith, finances, friendship, church, spirituality, mental health. And if there's an area of your life where you're saying, God, I want my faith to increase because today again, I commit to just enough faith. I want you to lift your hands to heaven across this place. I wanna pray for you just where you stand. Father, thank you for faith. Thank you for faith. Thank you for this amazing currency from heaven that you have given to each and every one of us. That even right now through prayer, we come to you in faith, believing God that you do all things well. I speak scripture over you, church. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask, think, or imagine according to His power that is within you. Father, I take this moment right now to pray for people who genuinely are assessing areas of their life where they would be saying, I have no faith in this area. Father, right now, together, collectively, we decide for just enough faith for those individuals. Even right now, would you supremely, divinely, sovereignly begin to pour faith, stir faith where there's nothing, I pray. Speak faith into hearts and lives. May faith begin to grow in Jesus' name. I believe right now across this place, for those of you who've got areas where you've got no faith right now, right now the Holy Spirit is gonna drop an image into your spirit, into your mind. That right now you're seeing a future. You're seeing a future moment of something coming to pass. Faith is beginning to stir. Father, for those in this room who are on the brink of giving up, giving up in work, giving up, believing for mental ill health to be healed, giving up in church life, giving up in ministry, Lord, I pray that our collective sense of just enough faith would be enough for these men and women to go home tonight with an excitement stirring deep within because it can only be achieved through faith. Now, Lifehouse Church, across this place with your eyes closed, I wanna encourage you to take a moment to dream where T.E. Lawrence says, all men dream but not equally. Those who dream by night in the dusty recesses of their mind awake to discover its vanity. But dreamers of the day are dangerous for they dream with eyes wide open to see these dreams come to pass. So right now begin to dream.
Come on, folks, if you have breath in your lungs, God hasn't finished with you yet. There's still a mandate. There's still a mission. There's still a purpose. There's still a passion in Jesus' name. Dream a dream. Dream a dream. Paul and Sarah, dream a bigger dream than you've ever dreamt before. Where the naysayers have come around you and said it's impossible. God says, dream a bigger dream. Pastor DJ, there's more countries that God is sending you and Karen to. More countries for your church to pioneer and plant into in Jesus' name. I want to speak over business people in this place. I believe the Lord wants to say to those of you in business, have no fear over Brexit. Your confidence and trust is not in the work of men, but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That in a culture of fear, in a culture of fear and disrespect, men and women of God in business, I believe that as you apply just enough faith in this Brexit season, that the spirit of the entrepreneur will rise within you, this God of heaven and earth who spoke into nothing and created everything. God's gonna help you to see expansion opportunities in Jesus' name. You're gonna look, you're gonna be concerned. It's gonna be big. It's gonna be beyond where you're currently at. But God says all you need is just enough faith to take the right step in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I wanna pray one more prayer, one more prayer. And the last prayer is this. Is if you're in this room and you're saying, Glenn, I really don't know what my God purpose is, what my God purpose is. One of my children just recently, just in the last month or so, came up to me and said, said, Dad, I know what God's got for me. I know what my life's about. And it was just probably one of the greatest days of my life because one of my children just had a sense of, I've got a God purpose. And you know, they do say, don't they? There's two great days in your life, the day you're born and the day you realize what you're born for. And for some of you in this place, maybe you're kind of at that place, you're just going, I, I don't know what the God purpose is. I don't know what my God fit is. Maybe for past seasons you knew, but actually God's brought you to a, to a T intersection where you can either go left or right. And you're kind of saying, I don't really know what this next phase looks like for me. Maybe you're a young person, a teenager, and you're saying, I, I don't know what, what, what the God shape is. I don't know what God has for me. I want to take a moment just to pray for you tonight. So if you fit into those categories, whether you're older or younger or in those middle years, can you just, just come, out of, come out of your place and just come and stand out in the front just for a second? Because I, I want to pray for you in this moment. The Spirit of God will begin to lead you, He'd speak, He'd guide you, He'd drop a thought in your heart. Just come right down to the front, please. This is awesome. Just Can you just move in, guys? What I love about this moment, guys, is this, is that there's no pressure. We're not working ourselves up to be anxious or anything like that. We're just coming to a loving God. We're saying, God, just reveal your purposes and your plans for my life. So just in the altar right now, why don't you just lift your hands to heaven? And everybody in the conference, can you stretch out your hands towards these amazing men and women? Pastors, I want you to just come, just come, just come in front and just pray for a second. Ben, come on through. Come and pray, Aaron. Father, I want to thank you for these amazing amazing men and women right now. Father, even now as we think back on our, our lives, we, we recognize and we remember there were those times, Lord, where you put a word in our hearts and you gave us a, a, a confidence in what you were guiding us to and leading us to. And Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus right now, even as we lay hands on these amazing people, Lord, I pray that you would begin to stir their hearts with a passion. You'd begin to, God, cause them to see, cause them to know, I pray, I pray from deep down, would you cause for there to be a recognition, Lord, of purpose and, 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 and calling and a sense of, of what these men and women are meant to do in life. I pray in your mighty and wonderful name that you would do something so powerful in their lives in this season. That, Lord, they would look back at this moment and they would say, that was the night that God spoke. That was the night that God did something. And so Lord, with just enough faith tonight, we step into your purposes, we step into your promises, 
And I pray you would help us to live with a passion all the days of our life, with the anointing of God lubricating our faith in the mighty and the wonderful name of Jesus. We commit them to you. We commit this moment to you. And we declare that at this altar tonight, lives will be changed. Direction will come. Focus will arrive. Vision will arise and stir. And a sense of Holy Spirit purpose would come to every single one of them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. And if you would like to keep up to date with our services and our events, please visit www.lifehousechurch.com. .co.uk. Thanks again.